0: Hey, what's up, this is Jeff from The U's and you're listening to the Miserable Failure Podcast.
1: Hello, 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 and welcome to the Miserable Failure Podcast brought to you by Krusty Media, and I am your host, Michael X. Krusty. Welcome to episode 31. Yes, I'm going to say the number. I know I always jinx myself when I say the episode because for some reason that episode can't come out. Something happens, but I'm saying it. I'm fucking stamping it, putting my foot down episode 31. And this features Jeff Howard, the bass player from The Used. Uh, I'm so excited for this one. He is an absolute sweetheart. We first started working together not too long ago, maybe a year ago or so. I worked on a music video with The Used and Sum 41. And we get into that in the conversation. You will absolutely love it. I want to start off this podcast with the song that started off The Used's career. Here is A Box Full of Sharp Objects.
0: How are you doing? Me, you know what? I'm doing good. <laughs> Honestly, like COVID's been a fucking ride for everyone. You know what I'm saying? Like everyone's went through their ups and downs, and same with me. I'm not sure how much you want me to elaborate, but fucking Christ, dude. I mean, how many months has it been? Six, seven, eight? Nope. Sorry, almost two years. You know what I mean?
1: It's been a while. You guys toured in
0: what January, February last year? Yeah, we ended it in February, and some of our crew went to other bands after that. In March, everything shut down, right? Yeah in March, a bunch of our crew were in like Europe. One was in Russia. Like they were all over the world and they were like texting our group chat being like, I don't know if we can get out of the country. I don't know if we're gonna make it home. Like it was was wild shit.
1: Light at the end of the tunnel. You guys have a tour coming up with Coheed, right? In September.
0: Really excited. It's cool. I haven't seen those dudes for years, you know. Um, I hope they remember me. <laughs> I remember they're really nice dudes, you know. So it's going to be exciting to reconnect and watch them play because they're such a good band.
1: This is probably the longest you've gone without touring, right? You guys have had a couple of hiatuses here and there, but nothing this extensive, nothing this crazy.
0: Nothing this crazy. I think we did take a year off after Lies for Liars. I think we took a year off, but nothing has been this bad. Heartwork was
1: probably written in like late 2018, early 2019.
0: Fuck, yeah. So long ago. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been so long. Heartwork, uh, when it got released, it was a year old. Some of the songs were a year old. So we wrote like, I would say 20 some songs with the new guitar player we had. We wrote like 20 some songs. We're demoing it out of, he has a little studio at his basement. It was kind of central. So we all went to his little studio place. We demoed it out there. And then we decided we're going to go back with old longtime producer, longtime like family friend now, uh, John Feldman. So we decided to go back to him for this record and just kind of made sense, you know? So when we went back with him, when we were there going over the songs and listening to the songs together as a group, we kind of thought, you know what? We can do better scrap everything.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, what you just heard was internet technical difficulties but that is okay because jeff and i got together with our brains and we made it work we fixed it you will not hear any more problems after this so let's go back in time and listen to the rest of the episode we were getting into heart work a little bit but i, I did want to mention like you guys keep going back to john uh, i think this is your sixth album with him is it like like home to mm-hmm. you
0: yeah, I think I'm uh, trying to think how many records I don't even remember how many records we have, but we did 3 without John. I know that. You have 8 records. 8. I guess if you don't count our B-side stuff. Yeah. Ocean of the Sky we didn't do with John. Artwork we didn't do with John. Yeah. And The Canyon we didn't do with John. That's right. You
2: well, did that, that with Ross. Like
0: that. Yeah, that was Ross, which is a fucking awesome experience. God, Ross Robinson, man. I looked up to him so much for so many years. He's he's uh, done experience.
1: Great albums. And uh, God, yeah, yeah, I was talking to Scott from Cancer Bats and he okay. they did an album with him too. And And he oh, said cool. the same thing. It was just like, the experience is just insane. He wants the, like, the best performance out of you. Like he'll just yeah. keep pushing you and pushing you. Was, was that the same kind of deal for you?
0: With Ross was crazy. Me and him clicked really well, honestly. Like I didn't expect it. His idea and outlook on music is very similar to how I look about it. It's about feeling first, you know? Like the actual take, he didn't really give a shit about. He wanted the feeling from the take. He wanted the feeling to be right. And then the take would be right. And the way I play bass, I play really similar. I play way better if I like how I sound, you know what I mean? So my ability progresses depending on how the feeling is for me. And he would just fucking, he would lay out of these pedals on the floor and he would just be like, um, Let's try this pedal out, you know, and these are like old vintage pedals that sound crazy. And he knows these pedals because he's like a pedal wizard. You know what I mean? So he would lay this pedal out. He would just plug my shit in. He's like, play what you're going to play, whatever the fuck you're going to play for this song. And so he would would have the song on loop and he'd just let me play whatever I'm going to play, just jam through the song and he'd just be fucking with these pedals and he'd unplug a pedal, put another pedal in, put two pedals in. He would just stop at one point and be like, okay, I can tell you're feeling the song now. This is the sound that we're going to do. You know what I mean? Which for me is so fucking awesome because I got comfortable being comfortable in my own comfort zone. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was really great.
1: A lot of musicians, when the red light goes on, you're recording it. You get like that nerve where you don't, don't fuck up. Don't fuck up. So oh, if yeah, you're, I'm terrible. If you're I'm, comfortable. I'm
0: bad with a lot of things. I've got really bad anxiety. I have problems like phone calls stress me the fuck out. You know what I mean? Like certain things stress me. Like interviews are not a problem for me since I've done them so much. It's kind of, there's like a block there for it. But fuck, if I have to call like a grocery store to talk <laughs> to them about something. I'm like, fuck, I'm like stressing out all day to make that call. You know what I mean? If only you yeah. could just text them. Right. Yeah. If only I could do that. Even then I overthink the text, you <laughs> know, but with Feldman was really cool in a different way because Feldman we've gone to for years, you know, for fucking like ever, like you said, and and he used to kind of stress me out in that same way. He used to scare me a little bit, you know, like he's a very intense dude, but in a good way, you know, and, and more so this record, we all realized it more than ever is that John is family. John is yeah. like a brother I've never had. You know, I don't have a brother. I don't have a sister. I'm, I'm an only child. Right. But Feldman besides the band members, Feldman is that extra like relative that I'm, I'm closer to him than most of my relatives, which is pretty interesting. You know,
1: we have more in common with, with him than <laughs> you might have with family. You know what I mean? hundred percent. Right. hundred percent. Right. Man. Speaking of Feldman, I mean, let's, let's dig into it. Like he was the one who kind of gave the use the hand up, right? Like he found you guys, he heard, I think it was, yeah. I don't know which song it was, but he's the one who heard you guys and said, Hey, come, come to
0: LA and let's, let's figure, let's figure this out. We would give him songs all the time. We kind of randomly met him coming through town and stuff. And we heard he was producing bands and we heard some of the bands he's producing and our stuff didn't sound anything like those bands, but like, what the fuck? He's the only person that we know that's, in a successful touring band. And we did hear that he was touring or uh, recording. So we sent him uh, some of our first record. Do I have it? I even fucking have some of it right here, but we sent him, I think we sent him that. Wow.
1: That's cool. You just have it sitting right there.
0: (laughs) Right. Well I was using it for something earlier. This is not even the full one. This is missing a bunch of songs on it, you know, but we sent him one of these and the song that he was, he was like, I fucking love the song. I'm recording you guys. Please fly out. The song that he did that to was Box Full of Sharp Objects.
1: Well, I mean, that's a classic tune.
0: You wouldn't imagine that though, considering like how Goldfinger sounds, at least how Goldfinger sounded back then. And the bands he recorded back then was like show off and messed. You know what I mean? Stuff that you wouldn't picture like Box Full of Sharp Objects fitting in. And if you ever listened to the old demo CD, hearing what Box sounded like then, we wanted to be in hardcore band, really. You know what I mean? Like that was what we looked up to is like, like heavy shit. You know what I mean? And you can tell if you listen to that older shit. Like we were trying to be like a hardcore band, but still it's doing intense. some kind of software.
1: It, you guys <laughs> like obviously because of the time, you guys, you guys got put into the 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 screamo kind of world that was happening. But yeah, there's it's yeah. like you have like those extremely like heavy in your face almost like bi- bipolar i want to say like the music is bipolar where it's like angry and heavy and in your face and then it, all of a sudden it's like bert singing about love and it's very quiet and it's a six eight song and you're like well okay
0: the more that you get to know all the band members and personality wise and music wise or music likes i guess it's very fitting for our band to be that way you know it shines i mean you know what i mean of course we each write the parts and we come together and we make a whole you know of course it kind of shows a personality, but since our band, like you said, it kind of has that, like, you're not really sure which thing we're trying to grab on it. It's very, very fitting for our band, you
1: know? I remember The Bird and the Worm. I was literally just listening to it. I I remember when that song came out, people were like, oh, this is so different for the U's. It's so different. And I'm like, have you heard the first two albums? Like, it's (laughs) not that different. It's really not. They, yeah, they have all these extra like stuff happening in the background that that has been programmed. But if you listen back to the first two albums, they have that stuff in there. It's just not as prominent.
0: Yeah, there's uh, a lot I, more production on the. You're yeah, totally right,
1: though. You totally feel it, and it, it sounds great. You guys started basically 20 years ago,
0: so congratulations on that. Or yeah, just over 20 years ago. Exactly May of 2000. Wikipedia is wrong if they say 2001. That's another one. They tried to say that we started in 2001 or 2002 or something, but... Yeah. It says January, it 2000. 2001. Yeah. It was 2000. Whoa. They got it wrong too. We even had a shirt that was fucked up that said 2001. How funny is that? <laughs>
1: yeah. That's funny. You, you guys need to be on that Wikipedia factor fiction show there that they have.
0: Yeah. Right. <laughs> um,
1: it's, it also says you guys were like homeless and, and struggling financially. And, and you guys were like, not eating and all that kind of stuff. Was that true? Like, what was it like when the band first got together, the four of you guys, what brought you together? What made you want to do music with the other three guys that were in the band?
0: We went through some shit. I wouldn't, you know, a lot of that got blown out of proportion, but at the same time it did happen. Bert was sleeping on park benches, you know, Bert got into drugs really bad. Actually the very first, the first week of us, having Bert join the band, we had to pick him up from rehab, you know? So he was, he was just kind of coming out of something, you know, me and the drummer, Brandon couch surfed for a while. You know, we weren't sleeping on streets or anything. We were couch surfing, you know, not Bert had it the worst, obviously. We definitely were pretty poor kids. We figured it out after a while. And that's when we started getting uh, me and Brandon rented a house together. I mean, Utah was really cheap at that time. I don't remember how much I was paying in rent. It was ridiculous. We rented this huge house for a minute there with like, God, like 10 people or something crazy. I think I paid a hundred dollars in rent. (laughs) That's (laughs) cheap. Yeah. That wasn't too bad. But then we upgraded after we started working more and got a different place. And that's when the band really started, you know, at that other place. But I think a lot of the homelessness and stuff like that comes from not pre the used, but it was like the background of it. You know what I mean? Like the shit that we had to go through up until then, And that was kind of us coming out of it, you know.
1: I'm sure the media used it as like a selling point or like, these guys are homeless. You should like, oh, my God, listen to this music. Yeah, they're all drug addicts
0: and they're all homeless and they're all dangerous, you know. They're all from Utah, so
1: they're big into religion and and all this kind of stuff.
0: (laughs) Right. Oh, God. Yeah. I've never heard the end of that, really. And I, you know, I wasn't born in Utah, but I was raised there for a long time. And I was like one of the only non-Mormon kids in the school I went to. a wild wild time (laughs) is it
1: anything like the movie slc punk you know there's
0: similarities i remember when i was so i'm not super old but i'm pretty old i remember when i was like a really young kid and i was going to salt lake for the first time it's about an hour away from where i grew up right it was the first time i started seeing like punk dudes you know what i mean and there'd be like face tattoos and like head tattoos and hand and this is like fuck man 90s you know what I mean? Like everybody was covered in tattoos, you know, like full Mohawk shit, you know what I mean? It was really cool to see. And then growing up and growing up in Utah, you just, you see people covered in tattoos always, you know? And, it, and then I got to the age and I was like, Oh, tattoos are so badass. And I started getting tattoos and everybody I know is covered in tattoos. And then I moved out of Utah and I was like, I don't see anybody with tattoos anywhere. Like I was like, wait, hold up. Like I'm the only person with a neck tattoo in like most places I'd go to. You'd be like, wait, what? And now now all of a sudden it's it's way different now, obviously. But back then it was like Utah was like leading America in like crazy tattoos, I guess. Maybe not totally true, but just coming from a touring point of view, that's where I saw the tattoo stuff coming out of.
1: It used to be like you you'd see people with tattoos. I think we're roughly the same age. And and you know, the uh, early nineties, late nineties. Yeah, you'd see tattoos and be like that, that. If especially if it's like a neck tattoo, you're like that's that's one mean motherfucker over there, right? And then, yeah. but now it's like literally everybody has tattoos. Like like you said, no, you're totally. covered in tattoos. I have a couple of tattoos, but I <laughs> I I was scheduled for a couple of tattoos during COVID, and they've got pushed back, so I got to wait for those. <sighs> getting there, getting there. Um, <laughs> once you guys put out the album and stuff, did you guys are like, are you still in Utah? Or did you are you guys all now based out of California? So
0: we move a lot. Well, I'm the most, I guess, but we've all spread out. I left Utah like more than 20 years ago. Oh, I take that back. Sorry. No, that's not true. Because let's see, I left Utah, it's 2001. So 21 years since the band started. I was in Utah until like 2004, 2005, I think. And then I was in California for a while. Bert was in California since like 2003 or 2002 or something like that. But since then, we've spread out even farther. Uh, Bert lives in Australia. He's lived there for about six years, I think, seven years now. I live in Hawaii, but currently I'm in California trying to figure it out. I just got back to California. (laughs) Why would you want to leave Hawaii? I've been there for about five years now, and the COVID thing kind of got me a little bit on lockdown, a little island fever, and I needed to get out. (laughs) Now I've been here too long, and I need to go back as as soon as possible. Do you still talk to Brandon? Yeah, not really. I haven't talked to him in a bit he was coming around rehearsals because we were practicing next to him, you know, but I haven't heard from him in a while. Are you you're a Rancid fan? Yeah, they're cool. Yeah. yeah, I've got friends that are friends with the rest of the guys in the band and they've always been nice to me, those dudes, you know? Yeah. They seem like um, nice dudes. Bass player is fucking awesome, of course, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Matt Freeman he's is killer. He's got just like that paw that he just plays the bass with. It's just-
0: yeah, he's wild, man. He's serious on those scales too. I mean, fast. <laughs> Well, you play with your fingers too, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And uh, that's your bass there behind you. Uh,
0: what is that? That's some random Yamaha. Doesn't really,
1: don't really play it or use it too much. You use different ones on stage sometimes. Before you were using like fenders, right? P basses and jazz basses. And now you're kind of, it look like you were using uh,
0: something else lately. I have three basses I use for tour. And for recording, I have one bass I really use. And those are always in storage because I don't want them to get fucked up. And they're always, you know, since touring works as a unit, they're always in this band touring thing. So I don't bring them around. I have basses like this guy. That's not a bad bass, but I don't really play it unless I'm warming up or practicing, you know? I have a Fender Jazz five-string that's passive, which is, for some odd reason, this bass is a fucking beast, man. I don't know what it is. I've 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 went through hundreds of basses, and, you know, they all have a little bit of different tone. They all sound different. It's not like you know what a bass is going to sound like until you actually get it and start jamming on it, you know, but this one, for some reason, I got it from, I got it for free for Fender, like years ago. It's like, I want to see what a five string feels like. I want to start playing a five string, you know, just because I was, I had a weird tuning setup, you know, and I was always that guy. I was like, no, I'm never going to switch for forever, you know? And then I started getting frustrated with the weird tuning I had. And I switched to a five, which is the best thing I've ever done. Right. And I mean, I played five strings, before in the past, like long time ago, before they used, I had a five string and it was cool. I just didn't really know what I was doing, you know, with a five string. I wasn't really like you utilizing it, you know? So me switching to five after the used and having to relearn all of our songs in a different tuning was one of the best thing that I've ever done only because so when we tour live, sometimes we uh, change the key of songs. Like we'll go up or down a step
1: Yeah, just for Burt's vocals or whatever.
0: Yeah, because you know how rough it is playing shows every night. And some songs, at the moment, it's the perfect tuning for the song, for the record. It's a perfect tuning, you know? But fucking touring every day on those, that high note or that certain kind of like tone sometimes really fucks your voice up, you know? And instead of missing shows or doing stuff like that, like we tune it down a little bit to make it easier sometimes. So it's not as, not so much of a struggle, you know? And so me learning the entire set now, Now, as of now, um, I can play our entire set with one bass, which is fucking awesome. Our guitar player has like six guitar changes, you know, like I just, you know, transpose it, which is easy as fuck. You know, you just figure it out. <laughs> and uh, you're talking about Joey, right?
1: The Guitar player? Yeah. Yeah. How's that working out? Because he, he's kind of the new guy. He's on the album. Uh, I guess you guys yeah. haven't really got to tour that much with him yet.
0: We did uh we've done a couple tours before this record. We did tour. Um we did a couple tours with him before this record, kind of feeling out his vibe. And he is like, you've seen the big Lebowski, right? Oh hell yeah. Well, yeah. he's the dude. <laughs> he, okay, I'm yeah. not even exaggerating. Like, and he is one of the nicest dudes you'll ever meet. He's so chill. He's really good at music in general. Like he knows his shit. He's a great singer. He used to tour in um, a couple other bands. He was a tech for a long time, you know, so he knows the tech world really well. And he, he's not like, you know, how sometimes people are oblivious to other worlds without having to dig in it. You know, it's like um, you just starting a band and being in the biggest band of the world all of a sudden. And I'm not saying us as biggest band in the world. I'm using a totally hypothetical situation here. Cause obviously we're not the biggest band in the world. You know what I'm saying? but it's like a guy joining Aerosmith, let's say, I don't know, we're picking them out and never being in a band before joining Aerosmith as a musician. All of a sudden this dude is going to be kind of like, um, what he sees as the real world is going to be different from someone who has been a tech their whole life that joins that band.
1: Yeah. Uh, that you know actually I mean? happened. Yeah, totally. That happened with uh slipknot, the bass player that yeah, exactly, uh, Alessandro, he was a tech forever, right? Exactly, For a very long yeah. time. Yeah.
0: Same, same exact thing. So there, it's, it's like, Joey's a very humble, awesome dude, because he grueled so much. You know what I mean? He's played in tons of bands. He's been on tour with so many bands. He's been a fill-in guy for countless bands. You can even imagine, like, if you look up how many bands he's filled in, it's pretty wild, actually. And his vibe is just a positive vibe when he comes out on tour. When recording with him, it was easy and awesome. And he's always, he's filled with ideas constantly, which is excellent. You know, very creative dude.
1: Yeah. He, he knows how to tour cause he's done it for a long time. So he knows to be how to be a, like professional on the bus and
0: you yeah, know, he's that not afraid stuff. to help. A, like, he's not afraid to help a tech out when a, mm-hmm. a tech has a bad day. He's not blaming that tech for a fuck up. Yeah. He he's knows. sympathizing because he knows, you know what I mean? That's our biggest thing with the used is we've always been a family unit. You know, we tour as a family unit. Our techs are equal. Everybody on tour is equal. You know, you get treated like, not just a human, you get treated like a family member when you come on tour with the used. And that's why we try, we we usually keep the same text as long as possible, you know, but it because for us to get a tech that fits in that vibe is really difficult. And people want to stay on tour with us. A lot of our texts get torn because they're like, fuck, I got this job offer to go out with like Prince. I mean, he's dead, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like, I got this job offer to go out with Prince, and they pay me double what the used pays me, but fuck, I'd rather stay with the used. So uh I'm going to get some guy to fill in a couple shows and then I'm going to come back and then you know we we get a lot of that because, loyalty. Yeah, and you know we care about them and they care about us. We're literally a family unit, you know.
2: Where I go, I keep on running into you. Blink of an eye, feels like forever. Same as it ever was. Same as whatever. Before the yellow fades to blue, I'm shaking.
1: your least favorite thing about touring least favorite
2: yeah
0: you know i am a very weird person i like being alone a lot and oddly on tour i can be alone a lot (laughs) you know but you know what i don't know if i don't like anything about tour that's that's what's really tough here you know i guess i guess i could say being away from my wife and my dogs you know that's that's tough and sometimes i'm away for like two months you know what i mean and that's really tough it's more tough on my wife Obviously, because I'm the one that's gone and I'm the one that's working. So my time is, you know. You
1: know what? I can sympathize with your wife yeah. because yeah. Uh, my partner, she's in a band and they're a touring band. They went to Europe. I'm like on Instagram watching the videos. And then I just have like major FOMO. Like, I'm just like, fuck, I want to be there and p- hang out. Totally. With party but I can't. I'm like, I can't watch these. <laughs> I get no, like sad totally, like, shit. Yeah. So I can definitely yeah, sympathize that's with it. your wife. Exactly.
0: See, that, that's probably the worst part, I guess, you know, is the worst part is other people, I guess. Right. So. Not me feeling bad for being on tour, but me feeling bad because I know that my wife is in a tough predicament. You know. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and on that note, I'm I'm sure you absolutely miss touring right now because it's been so so damn long. Fuck. Yeah, man, it's been
0: <laughs> it's over. Yeah, it's it's wild, dude. The last tour we were on, well, actually, I got sick as fuck, and I wasn't. So here's a wild story. I don't know if you need to know any of this. This is kind of just do D-roll it roll or whatever do it. the fuck, but. So we played a one-off show and this is before our last tour. We, we did a last tour right after this, I think. Yeah, we did. Okay. We had a show in Indonesia, a one-off show, just one show in Indonesia. So we got our same crew together. You know, we flew out to Indonesia, which takes fucking forever. We were out there for a couple of days. We played this fucking awesome festival. I got to see some friends I haven't seen in a long time because I have a friend in Malaysia. We stayed at a hotel that we stayed at fucking forever ago when we were in Indonesia, which is awesome. So it was kind of like a, in a long time, you know, uh, my friend is a con- was a consulate, he's not anymore, but he was a consulate there. So I got to hang out with like a second family and go, go to their house and get like, like they made food. It was fucking awesome. But on the way back from this whole trip, the layover is in Hong Kong, right? So that's like the halfway point, right? So uh, on the way there, everything was safe and perfectly fine and not a big deal. Blah, blah, blah. We played the show. We had a day off. We got on the plane to fly back. On the way back, we landed in Hong Kong. Everything was weird in the airport. Okay. And this was like January
1: or. F- okay. Yeah. It was already there. COVID was already there.
0: Okay. So COVID was there, but that's not the crazy part. Well, COVID was about to be the crazy part. We didn't yeah, realize yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. We were just wandering around and people had, there was a vibe that was going on that was pretty dark, you know, and it was different from the first time we went through. It was very dark. This was right in the middle of the riots that were going on in Hong
1: Kong. Oh yes, yes, yes,
0: yes. So we were like had- looking on the news. We were like seeing shit going down. And then mm-hmm. at one point we were like, that's the fucking airport. Oh, like, fuck. Holy shit. They're fucking bashing all the windows in the front of the airport. We're at that same fucking airport. And then we kept watching the news and they were trying to get into the airport and like, you know, the pro- the protests were for a good thing, but sometimes yeah. I mean, who said that? Martin Luther King uh, protests are the voices of the unheard, you know, so the, the point was there, you know what I mean? They have a very good point and they lost their point, which really fucking blows. Long story, you know, that whole thing, but that shit sucks. But anyway, being in an airport that's about to get rioted on you know what I mean? that is getting right terrifying on, you know what i mean like people got through i think they got up to security i don't know if they got through security i can't remember but we boarded the plane like right while that shit was going down pretty much yeah we like, like you're Fuck.
1: taking <laughs> off you're looking back in the fucking airport's on fire you're like jesus christ <laughs> yeah it was it was
0: getting pretty nasty there and so to make it even worse um when i got back from that flight I got more sick than I've been in like 20 years. I've never been that sick before. And I was out for like, I'm not saying it was COVID, you know, yeah, but I was fucking dying sick, man. It was terrible. It was, it was so much. And it was for like, I was sick for like two weeks, like in bed for two weeks. And my wife was like, I think we got to take you to the hospital. <laughs> like, yeah, like wow. this. This is bad. Yeah. And it slowly started coming out. I had a fever for way too long, too. was probably COVID. It sounds like it would have been COVID. It was pretty bad. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, I didn't leave my house, but still. Yeah. My wife didn't get it. Her mom didn't get it because her mom kept coming over, you know, so who knows? But and it was, you know, I was in Hawaii at that time.
1: Were you really that sick or was it just a, a really long man cold? God, I <laughs> wish. No, it was it was pretty bad. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> was I, was that I really just kind of. Yeah, if you're just no, faking it. because I'm the guy to do that, too. To be like, oh, uh,
0: I, I guess I can't mow the lawn for the next two weeks. <laughs>
1: I want to talk about a couple of covers that you've done. The one you did with My Chemical Romance, which I think was uh, absolutely amazing. I remember watching it. Did you lose your puppy?
0: No, I got something perfect for this right
1: now. Oh, Keep going. shit. All right, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Okay, so <laughs> it's funny. Uh, you guys were touring for, I believe it was Taste of Chaos, probably, with MCR, that makes sense. I had tickets to go see you guys play in Toronto, but it was actually in, like, Mississauga. It was by the airport. I forget what that venue was called. The big, huge venue. And the day before... I was working at the mall because I worked at H and V at the time, and oh I nice. walked. No in, way. <laughs> and yeah, and I walked. I walked in to uh, go get my food, and I ran into the four of you guys at the mall. The what guys? I ran into the four of you guys at the mall. It was no like the, fucking way. Yeah, you guys were like sitting around eating a bunch of Chinese food. And I'm like, hey, I'm going to go see you guys tomorrow. You're like, cool, man. I was like, okay, see you later. And it was kind of like a quick passing thing. But I remember very distinctly meeting all four of you guys like real quick. Wow. I remember calling my friends like, oh, my God, the youths are at the mall. That's but, funny. Uh, yeah. Anyways, yeah. So the next day you guys played, I, it was Taste of Chaos with uh, MCR, right? And you guys had that tour where you guys all got on stage at the end and did the cover for Under Pressure. How did you guys decide to do that? What made that happen?
0: So I don't know where I put it, but I just found these for some funny reason, but this is oh, yeah. one of them. Oh, cool.
2: But yeah, cool. I
0: found the actual MTV one and I, I don't know where. no, it said fuse. It was the actual one that we filmed for it, the original, but yeah, what the fuck am I going to use this thing for? You know what I mean? Seriously though? <laughs> yeah. VHS. Yeah. <laughs> um, But yeah, we uh, originally, we wanted to do a song together, like an actual write a song together. It's been too long and I have such a bad memory, but I'm not sure how it got changed into doing Under Pressure. It might have been Bert and Gerard coming up with the idea. Because, you know, the idea, it's two friends coming together, like a friend band thing, you know? Mm -hmm. Makes sense. And it it fit very well in that sense, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I, I can't remember exact reasoning behind it. The studio version, did you play on it? Yeah, I played bass on it. We all recorded in different parts. I think Quinn recorded in Scotland. Oh, wow. Yeah, like we were all over. We were touring pretty heavy at that time, so it was pretty random.
1: So were all the band members from both bands on it, or was it just like you on, on bass?
0: I think it was just me on bass. I don't think Mikey... I don't know if Mikey played anything on it. He might have done like tambourine on it, because that's what he did live, so he might have done something fun like that.
1: If so I'm going by the live version, if I remember correctly, Brandon played like a tiny little kid, so he probably... Was it on the actual track as well?
0: I don't know. I, f- it's really tough to remember that. Bob, Bob was playing drums for my cam, right? And Bob is an excellent drummer. I'm not really sure. I'm sure they both played drums on it, and I'm not sure which parts. Which means there was three guitar players. I'm sure. I did Did Mikey play it? Because I'm pretty sure everybody played on it. I don't know. Because <laughs> live, we all played live. So
1: yeah, I mean, it's it's just a party on stage, right? Are you a, are you a big Queen fan?
0: Queen fan, I love Queen. Yeah, of course, Queen is great.
1: What music do you listen to that makes you want to create music and, and just keeps you interested in music?
0: Uh, there's a band called Lovage, which is fucking incredible. It might be one of my favorite records of all time. Lovage. It has Mike Patton on it, which is kind of fun. Yeah. But it's almost like a trip hop hip hop kind of record. It's pretty old, like about 15 years old or something. It's, it's excellent, man. But I, I grew up with like Sepultura and stuff like that. And like, metal Hell yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm like all over the world music wise. Yeah. That the roots record is one of my favorite records of all time. too. Most you know?
1: influential heavy metal album of all time.
0: Fuck. Yeah. You know, what's crazy too. I was in Canada, speaking of Canada and, um, we were playing, uh, you know, you might know what this is. There's this festival that you take boats to it's out in like the camping area. And, um, you know what I'm talking about?
1: Yes. Yes. The uh, band's,
0: it's hard for me, me to remember.
1: Cool. It's in Ontario. It's like three or four hours north. That's what Probably. you're talking about. That, that's yes. gotta be it.
0: Yeah. Um, so we were getting off our, our boat taxi, you know, and I heard roots being played. And I was like, oh, sick, someone's playing roots. You know, I got so excited and I looked over and it was Max Cavalera with Igor or Igor playing that fucking record, dude. Yeah, because you <laughs> saw that. They just put that out and they were touring it again, but I didn't know that was happening. And so I walked into the middle of it being like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I couldn't even watch. I had an interview to go to and I hadn't missed the whole set. Oh, that's but sucks. I got to see them play roots just for that minute. And I was like, yeah. that's fucking so sick.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it probably sound like the original because it's like the two original guys, right? Yeah, it was
0: it was pretty sick, man. I was I was really happy.
1: Most influential album of all time. Metal
0: album. Seriously though, epic. That and I had a really influence. Well, Bert was really influenced by uh, Converge and Kolesk. And also that. Um, Until Your Heart Stops, Caven Record, is still one of my top favorite records of all time. That same thing. That that influenced me like heavy wise too. Like pretty strong. Even Bert, that he knows that record by heart, word for word. That's cool. For anyone who doesn't know, Jeff and
1: Bert did a cover of a bunch of Rage Against Machine songs with a couple guys from Sum forty one, Frank Zumo and Brown Sound. I'm just putting this together now. You probably know Frank Zumo because he was in like the drum corps back in, in like the day when you guys were touring, Taste of Chaos, right? Like the MySpace yeah. days,
0: even before that, yeah. We've been
1: we knew this dude forever, yeah. Yeah, that just that just clicked in my brain, yeah.
0: Yeah, Frank is a badass.
1: Yeah, he's he's such a an amazing drummer, and he's a really. I did get to meet him. He's absolutely nice. Uh, so nice. How did you meet some forty one? Was it like back in the day when you guys were all kind of exploding at the same time, or was it more recent?
0: We've kind of run into those dudes off and on for years. Dave, I don't think I don't recall getting a lot of talk time in with until that last tour that we did before COVID. We we did a tour and they were on it too, you know. And that last tour we did was uh, Rockstar, not Taste of Chaos, but Rockstar. Uh,
1: distant, distant, uh, no. What was it called Distance Disruptor. Disruptor, disrupt. yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah,
0: disrupt tour, yeah, which was a fun tour, but it was a really weird tour. But it was really fun for us. <laughs> we had a good time on it. But they were on it too for like half of it, I think. And it was cool to like reconnect with them and yeah, get a little bit of chat time. And Dave's the fucking coolest dude ever, you know, seriously. One of the nicest, awesomest. I have nothing but positive stuff to say about him and Frank, which is why it was so perfect. They hit me up saying, hey, dude, do you want to play bass on this thing? I'm like, fuck yes. You know, And it's funny, funny thing about this whole story. There's a couple funny parts to this whole thing, but that song, the Rage song as it was, funny enough, back in the day, the use is toward playing that almost exactly as like a collage medley that we did live just because we loved rage, you know? So being able to record a version of it with some other guys, it was like really easy because we're like, okay, well, we kind of do it almost exact to this, you know? So it was really funny.
1: I remember working on the video and I was asking and I'm like, hey, like, do you have like a vision for this? And he's like, no, like you have do whatever you want. You're free, creative, whatever you see, whatever. So I was like, okay, cool. I, like, I feel like this is like the perfect time to like send a little bit of a message. So I went nice. back into archives, like old free video archives of uh, all the protests that happened in June 2020. After like four hours of watching all this footage, I had to stop what I was doing. I got into my car and I drove to a park. I was like, tear-eyed. Like, I can't, like, it was so hard to watch this footage. It was crazy. Took a little breather, had some lunch, went back to it, put it together. And I remember sending it to him and he's like, everyone loves it. I'm like, not even one edit. He's like, no, it's perfect. I'm like, okay, wicked. Yeah, dude. It's cool to work with you guys. I really appreciate. I thought it was
0: excellent. First time seeing it, I was like, holy shit, how fucking perfect is this video, man? And that's rare. You know what I mean? Usually everyone's got their like two cents no, there's too much of this, you know, we're like, oh, there's not enough of this. That's kind of why I've become more easy with some things, but video is really tricky. You know what I mean? To make everybody happy is that's a skill in itself, dude. And so you above and beyond killed that video.
2: it has to start sometime what better place than here what better time than now
1: Mark Hoppus, you have a song with Mark Hoppus. Uh, have you heard from him at all? Are you good friends with him? Is he doing all right? I know the big news came out that he has cancer.
0: We've known those dudes f- not like, you know, it's tough. Music world is weird. And I mean this in a, I'm, I'm kind of taking a sidetrack off what we're talking about to come back to the thing we're talking about. But music world is weird to where uh, you can have acquaintances and friends, you know what I mean? And I guess it's kind of like normal life, but we've known the Blink dudes for fucking ever, you know, like- really. Uh, The first, one of the first real major tours we did was with Boxcar Racer, you know, and Mark wasn't in that band, but so we've kind of run circles around them off and on. We played tours with Blank a little bit, you know what I mean? And whatnot, but I wouldn't say we're friends because I don't want to disrespect someone saying I'm more important in their life, you know? So with him, I'm an acquaintance. I've met him a couple of times and he's a very excellent dude. He's a very nice dude. And I have nothing but positive stuff to say about all those dudes, you know? And it's unfortunate what is he's going through right now, of course, you know, and I wish him nothing but the most positive stuff, but I I don't really have his number and I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd text him, you know, for me, that's like another level. I'd be like, yo dude, I heard what's going on on Instagram or whatever. <laughs> hope you're chill. You know, for me, I I just kind of step back and be like, oh fuck that sucks. I hope nothing, you know, sending out the most positive vibes yeah. I can possibly send through the air, you know,
1: obviously Travis is also on the album and uh, Caleb from Beartooth, and then Jason from Fever
0: 333. Oh, yeah, dude. Let me tell you a little bit about all three of these. So this is, I think I've got a pretty good story about each one. Let's start with Jason. So Jason is one of the fucking coolest people you'll ever meet in your life. Like, not even exaggerating. I know I've said that on this podcast a couple times, but with Jason, he is like legit one of the most PMA rad dude you'll ever meet. You know, you meet him and you feel good about meeting him. You feel good about him and himself. You know, he has this aura to him just to be like, I want to say expansive, (laughs) you know, like if you haven't met this dude, you need to, it's almost like a contagious aura that he puts out, you know, but him coming in. uh, So we had this part that was open in the song and, like, fuck, we really want somebody to sing on this part for Blow Me. And like, we we kept trying to make this part harder and darker and darker and kept fucking with it, you know, and making it darker and darker and darker. We wanted the song just to be like a, kind of metal ish and we wanted guests, you know, and that's what we knew. And I think John was like, no, I think somebody in the band was like, what about Jason? Like, let's have Jason come down. John knows Jason because he just did the Fever record. So let's, let's, let's see what's up. And I think we asked him and he texted him and Jason was like, fuck yeah, I'll come down. I'll come right over. A couple of days later, he came down and busted out those fucking vocals. Like he started off just screaming everything first, you know, and you know how hard it is on voice and vocals and stuff. A lot of people don't go to screams first because it kind of tears your voice up. Jason just, he screamed for an hour, like no joke. And then he sang all the backups after that. It was backwards. You know what I'm saying? Most people are going to be like, I'm going to save my voice and then I'm going to blow my voice up. He didn't even worry about it. He didn't blow his voice up at all. He screamed the fuck like, no joke, screaming his fucking ass off for an hour and then just did the pretty parts, you know? Travis, um, funny story about that. Travis is a fucking phenomenal drummer, of course. Everybody knows. He's out of fucking control. And he's vegan, which is awesome because I'm vegan. So he had a show set up at, I don't know if it was his kid's school or something like that, but there was a school in L.A. that he wanted to play. Because uh, So he plays drums for Goldfinger. And Goldfinger was going to play a show at it. And it was like a free show for anybody in the school, their parents, you know what I mean, to come out and whatever, let loose. It was all vegan food. It was an all-vegan school, which is even more crazy. Yeah, an all-vegan school. Somewhere in LA, they had all these vegan vendors set up. And I mean, it sounds like it's huge, but it wasn't huge. It was really small. Like a you high school? Like,
1: Are we talking like a high school or like a university? It's either a high school or younger.
0: Yeah, and it was pretty small, but… You know, i you heard of Miyoko's Cheese, you know, that stuff. OK, well, it's this kind of famous, getting more famous American like fake cheese brand. Like that's excellent if you've never had it. It's like fancy cheese, but it's it's called Miyoko. I wish she would sponsor me. But anyway, she was there like it was like like people like that were there with their vendors, like people that are like, holy shit, like <laughs> that's kind of a big deal, you know. So they asked me to play bass because the whole band was in L.A. and it's just a one off. And so Feldman gave me like five songs or six songs. He's like, just learn these in two days. You got two days and we'll play. <laughs> and I was like, uh, okay. So I started learning them. Uh, the next day he gave me like five more songs. I was like, oh, fuck, man. <laughs> so I learned like, I think I learned 12 songs in, in like two days, like not straight two days, just two days. And this is in between recording. So I didn't have a full day to jam these songs. I just had nights when I got home, you know? So I learned 12 songs as best as I could. Um, a lot of covers and a lot of Goldfinger stuff and this is um, is before mike joined the band i guess this was all recently he just wasn't in town okay so most of that most of goldfinger wasn't there it was just that's why it was like hey jeff i know uh we could fly someone in or you could just do it since you're here you know it was that kind of thing yeah yeah. and then we got to the venue and we got set up i didn't have a monitor you know which is kind of hard you know and there's there's i had travis i was stuck on this tiny stage you know like really small like old school style i had travis's monitor right here that was really quiet so mostly i could just hear him and then I had the guitar player in front of me's monitor that I could only hear the, his guitar, you know? So I was like, fuck, well, as long as I can hear the drums, I should be okay. You know what I mean? We go to rehearsal and John's like, all right, let's run through the set one time. We start running through the set and John forgets to tell me that the songs are different live. The songs he gave me of like, Oh, are you fucking kidding me, dude? So there was like five edits that I had to remember that day you know, maybe six different things that I had to remember that day that were added on at that moment because I didn't ever rehearse with Travis. I just rehearsed with the two guitar players that one of them was in the band, you know, Reed, which is a fucking awesome dude. One was in the band and the other one I was just helping out too. You know what I mean? So my brain is about to explode and we played the set and I was playing pretty sloppy, but there was one part, this is all pointless. I don't know why I'm telling you this whole story, but there's one part where I fucking completely forgot the song and I stopped playing. (laughs) And I just stood there and I was like, I can't even catch up. I can't hear anything. I don't know where I'm at. John turns around and looks at me and just stares at me. It was one of those things. And I was like, (laughs) like, sorry, dude, (laughs) I caught it and I got back on anyway. Um, next story, I was going to talk about Caleb. So funny enough, Caleb, we didn't originally have him planned for the song. It worked out in the best fucking possible way, of course, but originally we had, we were trying to get a guy from a different band not that we didn't want Caleb on it. We just didn't, we we didn't have him planned originally. He wasn't, it wasn't on your radar. He wasn't on the radar in, in not a negative way at all, you know? And it actually worked out to be a positive, but we wanted, uh, I forget what that, there's some metal band that we wanted to be on there, some hardcore metal band. And for some reason, they couldn't make it anyway. But Caleb stepped up last second and was like, I would love to play on the song because we had, the whole song was done except for the outro, you know, that like heavy ending outro that we worked on forever making it, darker and darker and darker and rehashing it and like it's not fucking sludge enough go do it again do it again do it again and yeah it worked out for the best and then caleb came on and sang through that thing on his own he sent us his recording of it the vocals just From done his like, studio or whatever well he was on tour he oh. recorded his part right before show he was, was probably on tour wild. with motionless on white okay that makes sense then huh? yeah, he did it right before the show right before he went to stage he just recorded his part and then emailed it to us wow animal yeah. Animal. It's so good too. His parts are the fucking best. Yeah. The song we're talking about was the lottery.
1: Yeah. Um, the album is actually 11th on the U S rock Chart, which is great. Congratulations. Oh, that's awesome. That. Yeah. And, uh, I think you, I did read you guys were, I think sitting on like eight to 10 more songs that you guys wrote and
0: recorded. I don't remember the exact amount somewhere between six and 10 songs that are leftovers that didn't make the record, not because they're bad. They just didn't fit. You know, some are better than others. Some obviously didn't fit for a reason. Some are good, but you know, whatever. But those, we're talking about releasing those sometime soon. We even have an acoustic version of Lighthouse, which is really interesting, you know? So we're talking about releasing that somehow in the next year or less. Yeah. Wish I could do say it. more. I just don't know.
1: I totally understand. Since you're a founding member of the band, how important is it to you to keep the original used sound, but still push the barriers so it's not stale. It's, it's fresh and new every time.
0: What's really cool about the used, no matter what we do, no matter what kind of sound, no matter how it comes out, as long as Bert is singing, it will sound like the used. And I don't mean this in any kind of ego way at all. I don't mean this in any kind of like arrogance at all. I mean, not everyone is fortunate enough to have a singer with such vocal personality that you can tell who it is when you hear it. You know, there are there are those bands all over the place, you know, but I'm just saying...
1: You guys are definitely a
0: band. You hear Led Zeppelin, you know it's Led Zeppelin. You know what I mean? You hear Aerosmith, you know it's Aerosmith. You know, you hear Red Hot Chili Peppers, you know it's Red Hot Chili Peppers. And I'm not comparing us to them. I'm just saying, having that vocal personality is such a benefit, you know? No matter what we do, we'll sound like the use. So I'm not really afraid of doing anything, you know? Do you have a lot of creative control over the art? You know, we we keep it as simple as possible. Everybody has a hundred percent input on whatever they want. Obviously longevity gives you a little bit more pull and push, you know, and obviously if Bert kind of has an upper hand on a lot of things, if he really wants something to be a certain way, I'm more like, yeah, that's fine. You know, if I don't like something, but everyone else likes it, I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Whatever. You know, it doesn't really matter. You know, I'm a little more lenient with that way, but as far as like creative control goes, that's the use. We Won't release something if we as a group don't like it. If we as a group don't approve how something's going, we won't let it go, you know? That's great. But we're all pretty lenient too at that same time to where unless something really fucking bugs you, you're probably not going to say anything. You're not pushovers, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're not pushovers, but we're not extremely strict, you know? Who was the
1: one who designed the heart in Love and Death? Original heart. heart. Yeah. That That was Alex Pardee.
0: Yeah he did a lot of stuff he's done he did um so from in love and death to lies for liars and that dvd that we put out after that he did all the artwork for all that stuff
1: and how many times have you seen that heart tattoo on fans oh a
0: lot that heart is our logo it's in the
1: new videos too yeah
0: oh yeah yeah we uh that heart we make sure is on everything i help work with a lot of the merch that comes out that the use does everything goes through me on the end you know like me and management are kind of like the filter through that stuff I push constantly. Everything has to have, I want that heart to be like our logo. I want that heart to be more recognized than actual the words they use. You know what I mean? It is. It is. It's see, like this.
1: It's like this tattoo. Yeah. Like, you know, you know what that is when yeah. you see it, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
0: I, I like I like icons like that a lot. You know what I mean? I want that to be the thing that people really remember is something, you know, to me, that heart says a lot, obviously, you know what I mean? It's a hanging heart. It's hanging by a noose. You know, there's there's so much in that one little idea of that description it's it's worth like i know a picture's worth a thousand words but for real though i mean there's so much depth on the idea of that you know it, it can it, mean so many different things and between
1: like you said bert's vocals it you you hear it and you know it's to use and then the logo it just all kind of fits in together and it works perfectly it's great you've done yes. a great job that's what i'm trying to get Ooh. at congratulations <laughs> <laughs> um before we take off, is there, is there anything you can talk about? Maybe the management has given you permission. Is there any more tours coming? Any more announcements, anything like that as time goes by?
0: A couple things, I guess. Uh, we got that tour that you know about that's coming up, which is our first tour in a year and a half, which is going to be fucking out of control, man. I am so excited for this. We definitely are going to release those songs. I'm not sure how we are going to do it yet. Be on the lookout for somewhere between six and 10 new you songs or old you songs, I guess you'd put it. Also, if you guys get bored, I run a Twitch channel, which is called Grass Destroyer. You know, go to Twitch, look up Grass Destroyer. It's sort of like a TV show, I would say, you know, sometimes we play games, you know, sometimes I play video games with fans. Sometimes I play just for the fuck of it. Random shit happens.
1: I'm going to have to check it out for sure. Yeah. If you enjoy
0: fun, then it's worth going to see and hang out on it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Awesome. Awesome. Anything else? Anything else you want to talk
0: about before we go? Um, You know, COVID has been long and hard and strong and kicking everyone's ass. And people have gone through so much depression and so much awakening in some ways, you know, and it's some things are good for a reason. And I, I really hope everyone's staying strong. It's hopefully coming to an end in some places. And all we have to look for is that light at the end of the tunnel that we're headed towards, you know, and keep positive. Use your time wisely.
1: To add on that, if you don't mind, I would prefer it that when we came out of the pandemic, we weren't the same people we were before. I'm hoping for more positivity and more love, respect for each other and and for humans in general. And
0: I'm vibing that so hard. And I feel like that's what tour makes me feel like what tour is going to be in this future, in this brave new world. Don't take that in the wrong tense though. (laughs) But
1: Thank you so much, Jeff, for doing this. I really, really appreciate you uh, lending your time to, to us, to everyone listening. So thank you so of
0: course, much, man. Yeah, I appreciate you. Thank you so much.
1: the used with the lottery featuring caleb from the band beartooth great song great band beartooth is really good too definitely check them out and um i want to put this out there because uh why the fuck not you know i just want to do this i i, I want to see what happens if anyone out there knows anyone from the deftones i would really love to interview someone from the deftones so i'm, I'm gonna put this on you guys Reach out to the Deftones and be like, yo, Michael X Krusty wants you for his podcast. Okay, guys, make that happen for me. Thank you very much. A big shout out goes to Jeff Howard for being awesome and hanging out with me on this episode. Thank you so much. And a big shout out goes to Steve Risen. Steve, you are the tits. Thanks for being the technical producer on this episode and all previous episodes. He works out of Drive Studios in Toronto, Ontario. Check him out if you want to get shit done with music. To everyone else, see you next time.
0: You win, yes.